0: Hello, and welcome to Imagine Amazing, Oregon HMAS podcast with its current president, where we discuss what is trending in healthcare finance in the state of Oregon.
1: Yes, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is an extra special one, and we're very excited to share it with you. Today, we'll have an honest and deep conversation with the chapter's past president and expert on diversity, Ben Shaw.
0: As this is the President's Podcast, we are joined today by Oregon HFMA's 2022 through 2023 President Meredith Peterson, who will be sharing important chapter updates and changes coming to Oregon HFMA in 2022 through 2023. Meredith, we are so happy to have you join us today.
2: Thank you, I'm excited to be part of um, this podcast and really excited for today's discussion. I believe our shared goal for today is to be open and honest, And I'm interested in learning more so I can both um, better um, myself personally and then reflect on how I can incorporate my learnings into my leadership positions, both at work and um, within HFMA. Good objective,
1: Meredith. And as a reminder to our listeners, this podcast is available on all popular podcast platforms and is now viewable on Oregon HFMA's YouTube channel. To watch the podcast, pop some popcorn, go to YouTube, type in Oregon HFMA Imagine Amazing, click on the desired episode and sit back and enjoy.
0: I'm one of your hosts, Jeff Johnson.
1: And I'm the other host, Kelly Smith. Today's episode of Imagine Amazing is sponsored and made possible by one of Oregon HFMA's platinum sponsors, Extend Healthcare. As the healthcare arm of Naviant, Extend brings the technology expertise, scale, and compliance rigor of a multi-billion-dollar enterprise, all of which it uses to drive success for its customers and those they serve. As a leader in revenue cycle management and public health solutions, Extend enhances the financial success of our customers by delivering innovative solutions and insights with compassion and personalized service. To learn more about Extend Healthcare, please visit their website at www.extendhealthcare.net. Thank you so much, Extend, for your support of the chapter and for this podcast.
0: Meredith, thank you for being with us again on this episode of Imagine Amazing. Kelly and I are super excited to work with you on the podcast throughout this upcoming year. We're also loving the addition of the diversity committee that you made part of the chapter's ongoing initiatives.
1: Thank you, Meredith, for joining us today. I feel the chapter has always been very good at accepting everyone. But I'm so glad that you're really making this an important focus for the chapter in this next year. So will you please share with us uh, your passion around the important chapter initiative?
2: Sure. So as I um, prepared for my year as president of the chapter, I was provided the opportunity to attend um, a number of HFMA events, both in person and virtually and then um, given the social unrest we've experienced um, particularly over the past two years diversity equity and inclusion became a more frequent and robust um, topic of conversation at a national level within homa this really prompted me to start asking myself how we're addressing this within our local chapter and um, discussed um we discussed this at length with our board of directors um so i'm I agree that our chapter is very accepting um, of everyone, but that is only my uh, lived experience. So um, my theme for this year is uh, better, stronger together. And so I firmly believe that diverse backgrounds and thoughts and opinions will uh, really drive improved outcomes within um, HFMA and I'm very excited to continue our journey.
0: Well, I am so thrilled to hear you say that and And really the direction that you're taking us is really something that I've needed for a long time. You know, you don't think, you think you're accepting of everybody, Mm -hmm. you want to be, and then as you learn more, you realize that maybe you're not doing everything that you should. So I'm really grateful that we're getting Mm -hmm. together to talk about that today. And um, I know that we started this podcast, for those who are listening, we attempted this podcast when we were at the National HFMA Convention in Denver, Colorado, the end of June. It was kind of special. We tried to do it in a lobby that was very, very busy, but it was a special (laughs) time because it was at the end of Pride Month, which is Mm -hmm. one of those great diversity topics that we have. And so it felt very fitting. Unfortunately, the audio didn't turn out for us due to everything that was going on in the lobby there. So I'm truly grateful that we're here to talk about in greater detail.
2: Yes, Uh, Denver seemed like the perfect time to do it um, as it was Pride Month and literally directly outside of our our hotels front doors were so many activities that we, um, you know, experienced just by being in the neighborhood. Um, So, um, you know, really diversity, equity and inclusion is an important topic. So I am excited that we have a second chance to have the conversation.
0: Me too.
1: Yes, I'm very excited for the discussion today as well. So let's go ahead and get started. Meredith, I know that you've invited one of our great chapter presidents to be with us for the discussion and welcome Ben. So Ben, how about, would you like to introduce yourself to us?
3: I'd be happy to. Uh, I'm Ben Shaw. My pronouns are he, him, and I am a past president. I think I was president in 2014, 2015, and I was regional executive uh, for Region 11 in 2019, 2020, uh, and since then have just been kind of staying involved as much as I can. So when Meredith reached out and said, hey, Ben, I kind of want to do this. Can you help me? I'm I'm all for it. This is the greatest chapter of the country, and uh, no reason we can't be trailblazers in this as well.
0: Really excited to have you on the podcast. And I will go ahead and introduce myself as well, because I love the way that you introduced yourself. So I am Jeff Johnson, he, him. Kelly.
1: And I'm Kelly Smith, she, her. First time I've done that. Nice.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Meredith Peterson. Uh, my pronouns are she, her as well. awesome,
0: great. So Ben, thank you so much for joining us. I know that I have had a lot of questions just on how to appropriately interact with people as I I meet them, I don't want to be offensive in any way. And yet I I feel like there might be some protocol that I'm missing out there that would make me more uh, or a better communicator with people and and just be more um, understanding of this diversity diversity topic, especially when it comes to the pronouns. So when I see somebody, maybe I'm going through a drive-through, their name is on their little badge there and it says they, them, I get a little concerned on how I'm supposed to communicate with them in that moment.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Do I use the pronoun, they, them, with them? Do I not? I I just get a little confused. Can you share what a best practice would be in that
3: moment? Sure. I think, you know, let's say you're going through a Starbucks and you drive up to the window and you're waiting for your coffee and you see that. I think the best thing to do is say, good morning. May I have my coffee? Mm -hmm. Right. OK, okay. And <laughs> because in most cases, when you go through a drive through, you're not using anybody's pronouns to interact with them. And um, and so I think what happens for a lot of people is they see those tags that say they them and they start freaking out that they need to change how they're interacting. When in reality, you don't. Um, when it becomes important is when it is When you are referring to someone or talking about someone, that's when if you were talking about that barista, let's say, uh, you would say, oh, they were really nice. Or I really liked them. But, But you wouldn't say hi, they, can I have my coffee? Like that's, that's, you wouldn't say hi, she, or hi, lady, or, you know, um, so it's, I think what happens is people kind of overthink it when really that's, that's, uh, it's not necessary. It's really when you talk about or refer to someone else.
0: Thank you for that clarification.
1: Um, I saw at one point like a, a quote or something, but it was basically, you know, I don't, I don't understand why we call them, they, them. I just want to call them what they want to be called. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was, and I thought like what you just did it perfectly. I want to call them what they want to be called. It's, and, and yet I know people can kind of get hung up on they, them having two different meanings and that being confusing Mm -hmm. because it can be plural and also singular.
3: Um, your, your
1: question was good,
3: which is, you know, if you look at, at language, the, one of the biggest problems people have with they, them pronouns is that mm-hmm. they innately feel that it is a plural pronoun. Mm-hmm. Well, in reality, in the history of our English language, that's not the case. Uh, if you really think about it, um, and I've done it a couple of times already in this, this podcast, if you don't know the gender of the person you're talking about or some random made up person, we use they, them all the time. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, Meredith, I I heard you're about to um, hire somebody new for an analyst position. What is their background? We use that all the time. Yep. In a singular form, Mm -hmm. and nobody has a problem with it. And yet somehow when you are identifying a specific person, it becomes challenging. But the reality is they, them, their has been singular in our language forever.
1: Yeah, really good point.
0: That is such mm-hmm. a great point. So, mm-hmm. um, can you walk me personally, Ben, if you're comfortable doing it, just for someone who's going by they, them, uh, what does that mean to them personally?
3: Sure. Uh, you know, I can't speak for everybody's story. And I just want to preface that this is just my experience with people in my life that I know. So, if you think about it, gender uh has traditionally been thought of as binary. There's a male and there's a female, and that's it and uh and and the reality is that um, gender is kind of on a a scale, or um think of it as totally male, totally female. And there's some fluidity there for for lots of people where uh, you may have someone who is, you know, assigned female, feels female, but maybe dresses a little more masculine. Well, you know, that, that doesn't mean they're not a female. It just means they're a little bit less feminine, right? So what non-binary means for most people is somebody who does not identify purely on one end of the spectrum or the other. other. They find themselves somewhere in the middle. And because of that, pronouns like she or he are very uncomfortable because it doesn't feel um, like a, an authentic representation of who they are. So um, so most non- non-binary people have accepted they, them as their pronouns. I will say there are lots of other options out there that some people have used mm-hmm. um, or have created or whatever. Um but they them is the prominent one. But this is really for people who, you know, look in the mirror and say, I- I'm not a girl. I know that, but I'm not a guy. So, um, you know, that's kind of, and that's also the difference between, say, a transgender person like myself. I looked at myself in the mirror and said, I'm not a girl. I'm absolutely a guy. Right? That's transgender. Right. That's that's I'm making a change from from who who I was assigned and who I really am. Non-binary really is. I'm not either.
0: That's a perfect explanation. Thank you so much for walking me through that. And I, I appreciate what you said as well. It is very personal to everybody. And that's why this topic is so important. I think we'll be forever progressing as we move along. And that's why I'm so thrilled, Meredith, that you've brought this into the chapter as a real focus, because, you know, I get used to just doing what I do on a a daily basis and maybe not even caring how that impacts other people. Um, I I think I want to care, but sometimes, you know, without paying attention to it, I could be very offensive and I I don't want that to be the case. I know that um, diversity is more than just the pronouns that we're talking about. Um, It it comes in many different forms and that, one of the most prominent things that we talked about is color of skin, right? Mm-hmm. That becomes a, a real diverse topic. And so, um, Ben, I know when I've spoken with you before, you shared kind of your experience uh-huh. in this uh, category. Can you share just what it's like for you when you're going through your daily things? What, what are some of the concerns that you've had in the past maybe you don't have them today but some of the challenges that you've faced just to help our listeners better better understand what these individuals go through and and some of the challenges that they face
3: well i I think it's important to consider again everybody's experiences are different um but um i think it's really important that we acknowledge Mm -hmm. that People are of different races. Uh, a lot of times you'll hear folks say, I don't see color. You're a liar. The, the fact of the matter is you do see color. It's one of the first things you see unless you can't see colors or you can't see. Right. So, so one of the very first things you identify when you look at a person, you probably make an assumption around gender, you, and, but you can tell the color of the skin right away with that, you also start making assumptions about that person. And um, for example, a lot of people look at me and think I'm Hispanic, but I'm not. Um, Or if I'm in Hawaii, they think I'm Native Hawaiian, but I'm not. Um, By the same token, when I would go to India with my father to visit our family, they thought I was white. So, you know, depending on your context, we all have different biases that we've been raised with where you see something and that visual response stimulates some prior thought you have in your system. And as as a culture and as a group of people, and one of the things I love about this chapter is that's never been an issue uh, for me um, with HFMA. It has always been, here's Ben, he's super fun, let's hang out, right? Yeah. And not, uh, oh, Ben, that brown trans, fat guy. Like it's just not, that's just not how we do it. Um, But it is important that everybody take realistic stock of their own biases and really understand what those triggers are that you think about people when you first meet them. And it could be age related. It could be race related. It could be language related. It could be gender, it could be sexual orientation. It can be all kinds of things where you meet somebody and you make an immediate judgment about them based upon your own biases. Mm -hmm. And I am just as guilty as anyone else. I do it all the time. And I have to check myself when I meet new people sometimes, because I'm like, this person is crazy, or this person is, you know, Mm -hmm. weird, and I don't like them. Um, And they've given me absolutely no reason to feel that way other than some preconceived notion I have about how they look. Oh,
0: so well said. You know, when we're growing up, that is such a defining moment and our world becomes our reality. And that's why this is such a struggle, right? Because what I saw growing up, I thought that was just normal for everybody. And so then I get introduced to something that's not in that environment and it is very different and it it can be challenging. And I, I will admit, like you, I have the same issue where I do that prejudgment on people, and then i find out they're fantastic. And so what some recommendations on the best way to get past that that you've experienced or that you've heard about for individuals who might be struggling holding on to some of that past.
3: Yeah. Well, i think the the first thing is it just requires some self-awareness and making a commitment to yourself that you're going to pay attention. Um You know, I always suggest when you meet somebody new, like I always try to give them like a few opportunities before I try to make a judgment about whether or not I'm going to like this person. Um, Because oftentimes my mind is changed after a few interactions. You don't really get to know anybody in the first 10 minutes you know them. Some people maybe. But, um, you know, I think that um, the main thing is giving yourself permission to look inward and acknowledge what your biases are. Um, it doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you a good person that you're actually taking the time to figure out what those things are. And then when you meet new people, understanding what those reactions are that you're having and where they're coming from. Are they coming because I really am getting a bad vibe from this person? Or are they coming from the fact that that person looks like somebody I used to date that I don't like? Or is it based on I don't trust people from the banking industry, or is it, I don't, you know, I had this bad experience when I was a kid in a shopping mall with this type of person. So the biggest thing people can do, look inward, really understand what those biases are. And then when you move forward, listen to yourself and ask yourself, where, where are these negative feelings coming from? And, and am I being, um, realistic about what that is projecting on this person. That's awesome.
0: So I know Meredith tapped you to lead our diversity initiatives in the chapter. What are some of the things that you have planned? For well, very
3: day? soon, uh, we're going to be sending out a survey to our membership. And the the fact of the matter is we want to reach out to underrepresented populations in our chapter and we don't have good data. The, chapter, the, the, the um, association does not mandate a lot of data points. And so when we looked at our chapter membership of over a thousand people, we had information in one form or another on maybe a hundred, 150. And that's not enough to really drive a strategy around a particular group of people. So we're gonna send out a survey. We want people to hopefully not take more than 10 minutes, but really uh, anonymously even just identify um, your your background, your ethnic background, what's your um, gender identity what what is, are you part of the LGBTQ community? Um, what is your age? you know w- when we look at the average age of the members in our chapter, we're aging, We're getting older and older. HFMA cannot sustain itself with a bunch of people getting older and older, they're gonna retire. So then it's how do we engage younger people? So, uh, you know, um, it's not just about race. It's not just about LGBTQ stuff. It's about anywhere where we see a need for our chapter to become more open, more diverse, have more diverse thought, Um, and then how do we target them? So we really wanna hear from folks what is it that you need from us to feel more a part of who we are and how can we deliver that? Whether that's scholarships to programs, whether that's mentorships, working with the membership committee on some mem- uh, mentorship stuff. Um, you know, Do we need more diverse speakers? Do we need whatever? And then how do we uh, meet those needs that are given to us? Because I don't want to assume that I know what's best for everybody
2: just add that um, I agree with Ben like we're starting by listening and so we want that information I um, you know really ask for those listening to really um, uh, you know uh, please participate in our survey when you do have it we are very interested and especially there's some open-ended questions about what we can do better and what would bring you um, you know to our conferences or become a more active member of HFMA so we are very excited to learn. And, um, you know, if people don't participate in the survey, they can always reach out directly to me. And I would be very happy to speak individually with people about what might um, where where we could do better. I'm sure Ben would as well. And, um, you know, you can find our, our information on our website.
0: Thank you, Meredith. And Kelly, sorry for talking so much in this podcast. Mm-hmm. I just have so many questions on this. I, I want to go a little controversial here, if it's okay. Um, and what would you say to individuals who have a concern about this coming or, or swinging the wrong direction? Sometimes we see an initiative start. It's kind of like at that; those balls, what are those pendulums, right? Mm-hmm. The swing back and forth and transfer energy and do that. We saw that in the women's movement when... Uh, women started to attack other women for not being in the workplace, you know, those that chose to stay at home. And then suddenly they got attacked by women who were in the workplace because it wasn't supportive of what they were trying to do. Um, I was just at a conference where they were. there was a healthcare system that was talking about the, their diversity initiatives. They're talking about the fact that their next hire, they want to hire a Native American um, C- CFO. And I started to think, well, what if that's not the best qualified person? Mm -hmm. Because then suddenly someone who's white is out of the mix, even though they might be the best candidate. So how do we stop this from becoming now a diversity issue for people who are white, Caucasian? I I mean.
3: So I probably have a little bit of a controversial answer. Good, good. But, um, But the fact of the matter is, is that um, and I've, I think uh, somebody, some talk show host or something, said this. It's not about um, giving people of color a leg up. It's it's the fact that um, white people don't need that leg up. Like it's it's we're not giving something to somebody that's undeserved, um, but you aren't penalized for being white. Okay. Okay. I'm penalized for being brown. Like it or not, I am. I'm penalized for uh, being trans. I, you know, before I transitioned, I lost a job with a health system. They picked me for the job. I was the finalist and you had to interview with the next higher up and the next higher up looked at my resume, looked at me, and said, you're not a good fit. And, and it was absolutely because of my participation with the LGBTQ community. Wow. So I am penalized where you are not. That is why it matters. There is this, um, there is this graphic, and it it's basically talks through um, what, what does equity and equality really mean? So imagine you have an apple tree, okay? And the apple tree is tilted like this. You've got a person standing here and a person standing here, same height. The person on one side where the tree is leaning can pick the apples. The person on the other side can't reach the apples, okay? It's unfair. Equity, I'm sorry, equality would say, we give everybody the same tools to be better. We should all be equal. Great. We give this person, person one, a two-step ladder and person two, a two-step ladder. Person one can still pick the apples. Person two still can't, but they're equal, right?
0: Yeah.
3: That's still not right. Equity is you give the first person a two-step ladder and you give the second person a four-step ladder so they can reach. It's not being unfair to the first person. They still can get their apples, but now the second person can also get their apples. So that is equity. Um, Justice is when you fix the tree. Mm -hmm. So when you fix the inherent issue, the inherent system that is causing the inequities, then nobody needs any help because everybody has a fair shot. And the fact of the matter is, in this country, that is not true. So I understand, and I get this question a lot about you're just being unfair to white people, and I say, I am not. What I'm saying is that I it's important to recognize people of color, people from indigenous communities,'re not afforded the same opportunities for education, for, for formal education, for learning,. Um, to be successful in life because of the socioeconomic situations they've been in. And so when you look at their resume and someone else's resume who went to Harvard, you may be like, oh, well, this person went to Harvard. They worked really hard. It doesn't mean this other person isn't smart and it isn't a good candidate, but they're not going to be afforded that opportunity because they didn't have the means or the mechanism to go to a fancy college. So um So it's not about shutting anybody out. It's about lifting everybody up.
0: Crushed it. What a great response.
1: Really, really good. And I think you talked earlier too, just that, make sure we're really aware of our unconscious bias and that we're not making decisions based on that unconscious bias. And, you know, I think in my own learnings, one thing I've had to think about is, you know, what, what would it feel to walk in those shoes and, you know, I I have been unaware, and I've heard some stories about folks, whether it's color or race or you know ethnicity or uh, gender that people treated them differently or looked at them differently or avoided them when passing you know, on the street. And I think one thing too, is just making that effort to look up and say hi to people regardless of who they are or what they look like and have that human connection. So I know I've, I've tried to really do that too with with interviewing and with candidate pools. I've I've often wondered like, are we gonna get to a place where you don't list your name and <laughs> you do blind interviews? so that you're really truly looking at words on paper you're you're not looking at a name and you're not looking at a face to make decisions and i'm i'm sort of surprised that i haven't seen more organizations go that route but are, do we know of any organizations that have gone to those levels so that there's never you know that wasn't a factor in the decision or does that then not do what you're sh- you're sharing with us here of helping lift people up if you do take those factors away
3: well i mean you think about it um Uh, You know, some colleges are starting to eliminate the SATs, for example. Mm. Why? Because if you came from a well educated college or a high school, well funded high school, you're going to score well. And if you come from uh, a Mm. a poorly funded high school, you're not going to do as well. Where are the poorly funded high schools? In certain sectors of our community. So, um, and those students also can be very successful in college. So the fact that you're training to tests and, and because of where you live, you don't have equal access to mm-hmm. education, um, you know, that's a problem. So some, let's say, Kelly, someone's applying for a billing position for you and, you know, it doesn't necessarily require college education, I'm assuming. Um, and so uh, you get two people come in, one person can write a beautiful letter and one person maybe struggles with it and doesn't know how to write as well, um, based on just that writing, you're gonna make a decision. And so there's all these kind of inherent um, issues no matter how you do it. And, And the problem is how, again, the best option is to fix the system that is broken. Mm-hmm. So that everybody gets an opportunity to learn and to grow and to follow whatever the path it is that they want to follow. Um, but in the interim, I do know companies that have blinded their resumes. Um, and I think for an initial screening, that's probably fair. I mean, to some extent, you can see work history. you can see, um, you know, where they've been, what they've done, you know, there, there's always going to be certain qualifications anybody's going to have to meet. But at some point, you're going to be the person. And at some point, you've got to make, you know, decisions face to face. You're going to have to know their name. Um, but I have I have seen organizations who have thrown out candidates because they can't pronounce the name um, or they couldn't, you know they couldn't tell whether it was a male or a female or and like that shouldn't matter, but because they couldn't tell, they were uncomfortable. And so, um, so I think there are things we can do, but at the end of the day, it, it does come down to, you're going to sit face to face with somebody and have to make a decision. That's
0: why this is so important. I'm so grateful that I'm learning as we discuss I, Kelly. I like what as you were mentioning that I was thinking of the voice because they're blind auditions right? Right. will come on. Maybe Mm -hmm. we should do that in the room. Everyone has their chair turned, turn around if you want them on your team. That's kind of cool. I want to ask a question about health equity because on paper, it kind of looks like it is equal for everybody. I mean, people can get Medicare, they can go and get services, Mm -hmm. but yeah, we keep hearing that it is not, that the experience is very different for someone who's maybe trans or someone who's of color, can you walk us through why this is such an important topic today?
3: Yeah, um, health equity is a really big deal. If you look at the statistics and, and I'm kind of going off the cuff here, but um, there is a large percentage, and I think it's 25 or more um, of trans people who don't get routine healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is, depending on where you live, there may not be trans-competent providers. Um, you know, for me, um, I would go see a primary care or try a new primary care, or or let's say I went to a specialist, I went to a dermatologist, and I'm like, well, could you be pregnant? I'm like, no. Are you sure? Yes. Like, or... Or they don't want to acknowledge that and they just kind of stare at you and they're like, well, have you, um, do, do you, um, and they just sit there and it's just like, look, I need you to ask me the questions that are important mm-hmm. for what I'm here <laughs> for. Um, whether or not I've had a prostate exam is not important. If you're looking at a mole on my back, um, you know, there are times though, when it is really important to know, what the gender was at birth. And it comes in situations of uh, medication administration um, and, and certain procedures and certain things. You know, if you're in the emergency room, they probably need to know so they know what they're looking for, depending on what you're there for. But I will say myself, a lot of the people that I know will put off very important routine um health services, just to not have to deal with the shit, to be perfectly frank. I don't know if you have to beat that, but that's the truth. <laughs> and, um, you know, I turned 50, my doctor's like, it's time for your colonoscopy. And I'm like, Hmm, yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. That that's pretty vulnerable. And, uh, I was panicking for two weeks straight before my colonoscopy, um, tried to cancel it three times. Fortunately, my spouse was like, you're gonna go do this. You need to go do this. You'll be fine. And when I got there, they were pretty good about it. Like the person checking me in said, uh, you know, looked at my history and stuff and said, oh, what pronouns would you prefer me to use? And what's your preferred name? A lot of trans people don't have their name legally changed yet, mm-hmm. right? But how, how comfortable is it to be in a clinic and it would be like me sitting there in the waiting room. And then you called my old name and I stand up and everybody's like, you know, yeah. I was getting my healthcare at an OB clinic for a while. Mm-hmm. And that was, I made I used to make Bernie go with me so that when they called us, Bernie went with me, I'm like, I don't want to sit, you know, there's nothing but women and pregnant women and stuff in this room. And, um, you know, it's uncomfortable. So you just avoid it. And I think the same, it, same goes for some of the socioeconomic issues. You know, you can be insured, but co-pays and deductibles and things like that. You know, if if you're living paycheck to paycheck, no matter who you are, and your kids got a cold and you're like, this is gonna cost me 150 bucks, maybe we just write it out. Um, you know, that's just the reality of the situation. I'm well insured, I go whenever I want. Understood. So, what could
0: healthcare systems do to make it more comfortable for people who? I mean, I I guess I'll start again and say I've never seen a healthcare system advertise that they work with trans people or they work uh, they're better working with Hispanics or okay I mean, we don't see those things we don't know what their specialty is. What could healthcare systems do to make that more visible? I'm,
3: I think some healthcare systems have done a pretty good job. OHSU in fact mm-hmm. has a transgender center and this was started, gosh, it's been probably 10 years, I think, or, or close to, it's been a long time that they've had that up on the Hill and where they brought together a bunch of providers who were trans competent to be able to cover services from mental health, to physical health to whatever. And um, at Mary's bridge, I think up in Tacoma, they actually have a trans youth program. So uh so our youth who are dealing with gender identity issues have healthcare providers who are well versed and understand the situation and can help navigate them and their families through the process. So I think it's starting to become more um, acceptable. Uh, I think for for any group, um, whether you are of a certain race or LGBTQ community, there are. Lots of resources out there. If you go and find a community group, um, a lot of times they compile a list, so I can go look and say, okay, who are the who are the trans competent, uh, you know, urologist or a trans competent dermatologist or a trans competent primary care person or a massage therapist or you know, acupuncture or whatever. And I think that um, more and more uh, people, doctors, providers are identifying in their bios, on their websites, these are the things I'm good at.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And it's just like saying I'm good at women's health. I like, I'm, I'm really good with women's health. I'm really good with geriatric patients. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of them now are like, I'm very good with LGBTQ issues. Um, because there's a lot of things that, that I think people in certain communities don't want to talk to somebody and have to educate them about what is happening. And I've certainly been in that situation where I've, you know, I was having to, uh, I think I worked at legacy and I was talking to my health coach. So we were required to use a health coach. And she's like, well, you're, 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 you're gaining weight. And I said, no, I've I've lost like four inches. She goes, but you're gaining weight. And I said, I've started taking testosterone. So let me explain to you how this works. I'm losing weight, but I'm adding a lot of muscle right now. And she's like, I don't understand. And I'm like, okay, my doctor is not worried about this. So I'm not going to sit here and explain it to you. And I quit talking to the coach. I'm like, penalize me. I don't care anymore. But, um, but it's important to have people understand issues that are um, specific to you. And the same thing, you, you know, a doctor who understands that, that uh, Southeast Asians and Asians have a higher rate of diabetes. That's important kind of information, you know, some it's it's just like anything else you need to find somebody who understands who you are as a person and can help navigate you through your health journey in a positive supportive way so um i think i think health systems are getting better about it um some better than others
0: that's awesome. you know one thing that's been really eye-opening for me ben through all of this is i consider myself pretty well educated I've been in HFMA around healthcare systems. And yet I ask one question of you, like, what can they do to make it more visible? And you're like, Jeff, you're so clueless. They are making it more visible. Um, And I think anyone listening, I hope you just can learn from my experience of we don't know enough. We do need to jump into this. We do need to study more. We need to understand. We need to understand where people are coming from. That's what you've been saying all along, Meredith. I know that's why this is such an important initiative for you. And I think that is what starts to fix the tree, right? That you're talking about, Ben? Yeah. So, yeah, darn it. Every time I ask a question, I feel like, oh gosh, I'm in such a bubble. I didn't even realize I was in such a bubble, you know? Darn it.
3: We all have our bubble. Darn it. Every day, my spouse teaches me something new. Even for me, sometimes I I look at stuff and based on how I was raised, I was raised by a conservative white person. So, um, you know, there are times where I'm like, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. And Bernie has to sit me down and be like, okay, so look at this, look at this. I'm like, okay, now I understand. I mean, we all, we all can learn more. And at the end of the day, um, honestly, it's just about kindness I think that's the one thing that could fix almost everything is just being kind.
0: I love that. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> and I would just really um, just add to that. I appreciate everybody's uh, everybody on this podcast here being vulnerable to like ask the questions. So, you know, thanks Jeff. You like you, you know, you ask questions that were top of mind and um, I, I am positive other people have similar questions and, I think this is a good example of, you know, us just being open and honest with each other and just trying to learn. So um, I just really appreciate everybody here being um, willing to have a conversation.
1: Oh, thanks, Meredith. I think very thought provoking. I mean, honestly, I think we could spend hours talking about this topic. It's it's very important and it's um, very interesting. And, and I am so grateful, Ben, that you were willing to spend that time with us today. So much appreciated. My pleasure.
0: Mm -hmm. And to be so open. I cannot wait to see the results from your survey that you do. And hopefully, Meredith, in a future podcast, you'll Mm -hmm. share some of those updates with our listeners and they can learn what's next for Oregon HFMA on our diversity initiatives.
2: Love you.
0: So thank you, all of you, for being with us. This really was fantastic. Fantastic for me. Like Kelly said, I wish we had more time to peel back the onion. I I guarantee I have a billion more stupid questions, Ben, for you and Meredith that I could ask. Um, And appreciate you being so direct and honest in such a professional way. So thank you.
1: Yes, very good. And, And Meredith, we also love to give you just a few minutes to let the listeners know what's up and coming with Oregon HFMA.
2: Yeah, um, thanks for asking. So in 2022, 2023, there is definitely a lot happening for Oregon HFMA. Our next in-person conference is scheduled for October 19th through the 21st at Oregon Garden Resort um, in Silverton, Oregon. So registration will be launching soon. So please look for that. Um, The chapter will also be um, participating in monthly webinars, the first um, being um, uh, in mid-September, so also launching very soon. So please um, visit our website or follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for updates on um, these important educational um, sessions and chapter events.
0: Well, that's awesome. A lot of good stuff coming our way. I can't wait for October. I think, I don't know if registration's open, but I know that it's already on my radar and I will be there. Oregon Gardens is phenomenal. What a beautiful spot for anyone listening. We hope you will come and join the Oregon HFMA chapter at that event. Many amazing speakers and a lot of great content. So I'm excited to be there.
1: I'm excited too, Jeff. I'm definitely planning on it. And hopefully those that are listening to today's podcast also consider joining us at the Oregon garden this fall. So we'll be wonderful, wonderful event. So we we do want to again, thank everybody who's joining us today on this podcast. As always, we extend the warmest wishes to all Oregon HFMA members. We want to give a shout out to our amazing healthcare heroes who continue to work at making our lives healthier and happier. So thank you everybody. This episode of Imagine Amazing is brought to you today by Extend Healthcare. To learn more about them, please visit www.extendhealthcare.net. Thank you, Extend.
0: This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and all other popular podcast platforms, as well as YouTube. Please find us, like us, and follow us for exciting content in 2022 through 2023. Also, to learn more about Oregon HFMA, please visit our chapter page at www.hfma.org.